Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Apollo Audio Podcast. Welcome to the Apollo Audio Podcast. Hey, it's another episode of our series looking at the 500 greatest albums of all time as listed by Rolling Stone magazine in 2020. Uh, so we get the opportunity to listen to albums that we know very well, albums that we don't know very well, artists we've heard of, artists we've not heard of, and decide whether we've missed out or whether we're glad and we never want to hear them ever again. <laughs> Joining me, as always, on the podcast this week, Mr. Miles Mitchell. Hi. Mr. Billy Hills. Yo, yo, yo. Uh, me, Martin Lumsden. This week's two albums, coincidentally and fortuitously or serendipitously, I wish I hadn't started that word. What does anyway, that mean? I don't know. That's why I wish I hadn't started it. <laughs> Serendip- serendipitously. It features The Rolling Stones and The Beatles, who obviously kind of started around about the same time. Um, but uh, not similar time periods, though. We've got The Beatles from 1968 with their uh, self-titled album, The Beatles, normally known as The White Album, and The Rolling Stones, Some Girls, which is from 10 years later in 1978. So we'll start with The Rolling Stones, because it's quite low down the list, actually, at number 468 the lowest ranked of their albums on the 500 list. Uh, Some Girls was released on the 9th of June 1978. Rolling Stone magazine uh, in their list said, Why did the Stones call their big comeback album Some Girls? Keith Richards explained, Because we couldn't remember their fucking names. (laughs) (laughs) The Stones sounded revitalised on Some Girls with Mick at his bitchiest, revelling in the NYC sleaze of Shattered, Beast of Burden and the disco hit Miss You. It became their all-time biggest selling album. Keith was in rough shape at the time, but he stands unrepentant in his Outlaw theme song, Before They Make Me Run. This was their 14th UK album, although their 16th in the US. I'm still not quite sure how that works out. Uh, produced by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, who, did you know, they, they call themselves the Glimmer Twins. If you ever see the Glimmer Twins as <laughs> no. producers, that's, no. that's, that's Mick Jagger and Keith oh. Richards, yeah. Um, due to <laughs> There is a story behind that, but it's too boring to tell you. Drop us a line if you want me to tell you the whole story, folks. <laughs> I can Do tell a little you. side episode. <laughs> Why are they called the Glimmer Twins? 30 second episode. <laughs> Due to legal troubles surrounding Richard's Jagger is generally regarded as the principal creative force behind this album. It's the first to feature guitarist Ronnie Wood as a full-time member and was a commercial success, peaking at number two on the UK album chart and number one in the US. It became the band's top-selling album in the US, having been certified as selling six million copies by the year 2000. Ah, what was happening in June 1978? The number one movie was Damien, Omen 2. The number one album was Saturday Night Fever, and the UK number one single was Rivers of Babylon, Brown Girl in the Ring by Boney M. Brown girl in the ring. That's the fella. Uh, On June the 9th, the Johannes Gutenberg's Bible, the first book produced using a printing press, uh, one of 21 versions sold for 2.4 million in London. On June the 16th, the movie Grease opened, starring John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Big year for John. Mate, huge. Big year for John Travolta, yeah. 
Big year to John? 78, Big yeah. year for John. Oh, big year. Sorry, I thought you said big year to John. <laughs> I've never heard him called that before. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to my dad, who's not with us anymore, but he was at that Greece premiere. Was, was he? he? Yeah. Wow. 1978. Well, in America? No, the one in London. Oh, nice. June the 16th, 1978. Hey, yeah. There you go. How'd you get that? Um, he was friends with, well, sorry, he was, yeah, he was <clears throat> friends with Olivia Newton-John. Really? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bloody hell. Not quite good enough <laughs> Friends, probably for me to reach out to her and say, I'm his son, but, but for that period, they were friends, yeah. Sorry, who, I, 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 I'm really ignorant. Who's that? She plays Sandy in it, the main girl. Oh, Have you okay. seen the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, yeah, the, the girl. And also, big uh, recording artist. That was her first yeah. acting job. She's Aussie, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah. She was a big recording artist, and then they said, Would you be in a film? And she was like, No, 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 I'm a singer. I'm, I can't be, be act. And then John Travolta turned up at her house because he had just done Saturday Night Fever. That's right. And he turned up at her house, and she was like, you know, they were both stars in their mm. own right and convinced her to do it. She was mainly a country music That's right. She's a that great point. singer. She had great a massive singer. hit with uh, Physical was her huge yeah. hit, wasn't it? Let's get to Really? Yeah, that one, yeah. How did your dad know them? So my dad's girlfriend was going out with that guy I've told you about before who wrote Apache, the most seven, famous seven notes in history. Yeah. Dum, 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 yeah. So, and he wrote, he was, um, he wrote a lot for The Shadows and uh, so it was all in the music scene and then yeah. Olivia all got connected so my dad met her through that and then went to the premiere. Nice. Yeah. What a small world. Yeah. I love that. Uh, June the 21st, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice's musical Evita starring Elaine Page premiered at the Prince Edward Theatre in London. That's what was going on at the time that this album was released. Uh, so it is Some Girls by the Rolling Stones. The second Rolling Stones album we've covered on this podcast First one was 1966, I think, 65, yeah. Aftermath. And this, so this is, what, 13, 12, 13 years later? Yeah. It's a long time between mm. albums. No, can, have, I, can I start? many in between. Can Miles, I start for a bit of drama? I would love it if you started. I thought this was amazing. So did I. I thought oh, this was brilliant. an amazing album. I thought, if you want to, if, right, I thought about what I'm going to say, and so I, it's a bit of a weird thing, but I'll say it. If you were an alien dropped onto this planet, and they said, hello, I want to know what rock and roll is. Yeah. I would play them this album. Okay. I think this album has everything you need to know about rock and roll era, rock, a bit of blues, a bit of country, energy, flawless vocals, great hooks. I mean, they open with my favourite tune. Oh, um, yeah, it's great, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. it's amazing. They're almost disco-y in some parts. Like, mm. Unbelievable album. I went off Rolling Stones after we listened to Aftermath. I was like, ugh. But this made me think I'd go and see them again and again. It took me back to that uh, gig I went to at Twickenham where the energy was still high. And I just thought, because that, I, I, I must admit, on that gig, I lost interest in a bit of it. Like some of the, song, some of the songs I was really into and others, I, there were other parts were forgettable of the show. But this has reignited my, not that I was ever a big fan, but... I think I've almost become a big fan because of listening to this album. I thought it was amazing. Mm. I literally thought the production, I mean, I listened to the, remar uh, the remastered yeah. version. I thought the production was 10 out of 10. I like the, the guitars, the drum sounds, where his vocals sat. I just thought it was an amazing album. Potentially my favourite so far. Really, really, really good. Well, yeah. yeah. If, for that genre. I don't always yeah. want to listen to The Stones, but if you want to sum up an era and a band that absolutely epitomised that era... This is the band and this is the album. Mm. Don't listen to Aftermath. Don't even mm. waste your time. This is the album. I thought it was fantastic. You know, already... Is it that good though because you're comparing to how bad the last one was? No, because I was just like, I started it and I was like, oh, I love this tune. Yeah. And yeah. then, 
they then have that cover. Um, I was like, oh, this is cool. I didn't know they did that cover. And then, but every tune I was really into. I was like, oh, it's. I just actually, I just enjoyed, I enjoyed it so much. Bear in mind, I only listened to it a little bit last night and then this morning. Yeah. So it was almost not not rushed. But I was like, right, I need so to get you were through. Drunk and hung over. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I need to get through this. But um, anyway, I've said enough. I just thought it was. I thought it was flawless. Yeah, from the production to the songwriting to the to the hooks. I mean, it's interesting to hear they produce it themselves. When you said that, I thought... That's, that's quite a credit to them when you think that, yeah, they've written exactly. it. There is a cover on there, as you said, but they've written it and produced it themselves and you're saying this is, like, flawless and the production is yeah. amazing. That's a bit... Uh, that's quite a credit that's, to be Yeah, when you said that, I was surprised. Yeah. But you never know. Is it sort of one of those where they're credited as yeah. the producers, but actually no. they actually did? It's not that. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, so, you know... I thought it was great. Can we uh, hear more from the alien? I like that impression. <laughs> the alien Listen to rock and I roll. Think, I think the alien. I'd yeah. like to hear what the alien does. Yeah, yeah, you bring yeah, it every, every week. Every yeah. episode from now on. <laughs> we'll bring back the alien next week. Um, yeah, so that's from me. That's great. Yeah. You boys? Yeah, so I didn't think I enjoyed it in the slightest. And um, I think I did compare it a bit to Aftermath. Yeah, thought, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not going to enjoy this, but it kicks in with that first song. Yeah. Brilliant. And there's just the guitars are yeah, so... amazing. It's still obviously got that blues vibe to it, but compared to the last one, that was a bit like honky-tonky piano yeah. on it as well. This one's just like straight up like rock and roll, isn't yeah, it, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah, And you've got to think of the time period as well. If it's 78, it's just after, still around like punk as well. Yeah. So it's all like... They might it's the same that. year as that. Um, yeah, punk. I mean, Sex Pistols are yeah. huge this year. Yeah. Um, that period. And the, like Donna Summer, yeah. disco, all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Is that, sure, that's Saturday what's really yeah. big. But you've yeah. also got folk like the jam starting to break through yeah. that year is this a different album for them or have they sort of like just crafted the they the called this their big comeback album I'm not entirely sure I, th I think that was mainly because the previous couple of albums hadn't been very well received I'm um, um, sorry were they a four piece before then or because this is Ronnie Wood's first album is this the first time they were they they had, uh, I think they had a previous he'd been playing with them he just hadn't appeared on an album okay. before this um, but I think they had a previous guitar player. The, the kind of history of the Rolling Stones is a bit of kind of people coming and going a little bit. But the main um, one's like Bill White. When did Bill White leave? Bill White left 80, early 80s, I think. Have they had like a like a proper bass player in since then? Oh, sure. I don't think so. No. They've probably had, I mean, it's the thing with the Rolling Stones. They've probably had the same bass player since then. Yeah. But he's not in the band. He must be gutted. <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. I can't remember the entire story, but I believe they've got a guy, I think it might be their manager or their roadie or something, who's played keyboards with them virtually their entire career, but he's never on stage with them. Oh. He's usually behind a curtain. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure, I mean, I've, someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm fairly sure the story is, is because initially they said we won't have him, and the manager was like, you don't look good enough to be on the stage with the Rolling Stones. Oh. So they hid him away because he wasn't good looking enough. That's terrible. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, well, yeah but Ronnie Wood's well, obviously been in the band ever since, so yeah, um, yeah he officially joined the band. But they have moved around. <laughs> Do you know the uh, song, one of my favourite songs? Um, oh, place your hands. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's that Ronnie Wood's son. Say again? The guitarist in that band is Ronnie Wood's son, and he's going out with Fern Cotton. Oh, really? Good Lord. Yeah. There you go. He probably made enough publishing off that one song that was played it's in true. every nightclub up and down. Oh, and it'll be on the greatest indie album, like greatest indie hits of the 90s. It'll be all yeah. over that as well. But it was a one-hit wonder, wasn't it? 
pretty much. They're still yeah. touring. I was still seeing them about. Are they? Yeah. They're a bit like, in my mind, they're a bit like Shed 7. Sort of people seem to love them, but actually they weren't very good. Well, I heard them for the first time in Gig Gear the other day. I was like, who's this? It's quite OAC, but heavy. Yeah. Shed 7. I was like, oh. Yeah. This is this. yeah. Really good. Yeah. yeah. They're all right for two or three songs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wasn't, wasn't anyway, point. back to some girls. Yeah, that's the first time. Obviously, you know, like the classic run so much, but it's the first time I was like probably taken back by like Keith Richards' guitar work as well. Yeah, the guitar solos and the actual like chord progressions. I thought were brilliant, really, and just and these vocals as well. Uh, was it shattered? The one where he goes off a bit about New York. It's not that. It's the girl with the something eyes. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I thought, yeah, his vocals are brilliant. He's just so... so fun. They're, far, they're Far Away Eyes, it's called. It's almost yeah. comical, some of the songs, yeah. aren't they? They're like yeah, almost That one like, particularly, they're, Yeah, thought. they're almost, yeah, yeah. Lyrically, and almost the music, like, the, yeah. some of it is very oh, you know, <laughs> bluesy, sort of yeah. bluesy rock. So I thought about you, I thought yeah. we won't Do you know like what that. else I thought? I said, yeah. I've written this down about the, uh, with Far Away Eyes. I thought, this is pretty funny. Also, I said, is this an Eagle's piss take? Yeah, it, he's, a, he's doing the accent and everything and the yeah, harmonies. I and I thought, are they do, are they spoofing the Eagles as much as it being funny and a good song? I wouldn't be Is surprised. Is it also a bit of a rip? Um, what number was this on the list again? Four hundred and sixty-eight. I'm so surprised at that. Surprising, yeah, I'm so. I it's thought, their lowest ranked album. They've got I think, five or selling. six albums, and it's it's their biggest selling album. But it's the lowest ranked one on the list. This is just Rolling Stone trying to be clever again. Surely this is their best album. This is the best. Well, I might be proven wrong, and they might top it. But I thought it was great. Is it the one with the most hits on? It's not no. got that many. No, hits, it hasn't really. got too many, has it? It's no. got the. It's got the. It's not, um, you wouldn't find a lot of them on on the, if you had if you had a Rolling Stones you, um, biggest you know greatest hits album. I think Miss You would hit it. Yeah, it, it, Beast, of, they, Beast are, of Burden would get on there. But yeah. I'm not sure are there hits like spread out though on their albums, or there, is there like one album with like five like bangers on? I don't, know. I don't actually know. There's albums. definitely. I mean, we can come back to this. There's definitely a peak period Rolling Stones for sort of the songs that everyone would know was sort of late sixties, early seventies. Which is oh. when they're doing Jumping Jack Flash, Honky Tonk Women, Paint It Black. So this is later. What do you? So what do you think, Martin? Are you in agreement? I didn't like Billy, it as much Billy as you guys did, but I liked it. What's wrong with significantly. you? Aliens telling you to yeah. get, just, get just out the room. The Rolling Stones. I just go in with a bad attitude yeah. straight away. No, I, I, uh, I just didn't like it as much as you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it was excellent, but um, I think you know. As I said, I've, I've, I'm still waiting to be convinced by the Rolling Stones. Has been my starting argument about this, and we listened to Aftermath, and was like. Yeah, there's a couple no. of good songs on this, but as an album, I don't get it. No, I'm it bored awful. by this. Yeah. It's very bluesy. It was sort of the worst of what I expected to, a Rolling Stones album to be like. And I wouldn't want to listen to it again. This one, I would. I'd happily listen to this one again. I think it's a really good album. And I didn't get upset about listening to the Rolling Stones, which I you know, sometimes went, oh, God, I don't want to listen to the Rolling Stones. This was fine. Uh, Miss You is one of my favourite Rolling Stones tracks. It's great anyway, so it's a good, it's a good start. Um, I didn't like the second track too much. When the whip comes down, I thought it was okay. It's all right. I was surprised that there was a, a cover as track three. Just my imagination. But, yeah, but overall, I, I mean, the whole was album was pretty good. And I said I really enjoyed the the like you. I think you mentioned the humour in yeah. it because there's a lot of humour in other bands as well. I think you know there there are bands that are really good at that sort of you know capturing a bit of a sort of a, a smile or a wink in the in the in the lyrics or the songs, like sounding like they're having fun. But it's a fine line um, of being corny, it. isn't it? Being corny, or just like say, just the fact that there's a bit of joy, there's a bit of a, hey, we're having a bit of a, we're, oh, this, rather than this just sounding like a chore, we're actually having fun doing this, even yeah. if the content is serious. And I thought, it sounds like they were, like I say, there's, there's a good sense of humour in that particularly faraway eyes. I thought, yeah. yeah, that's got a great sense of humour, that track. And I know, I think Jagger comes across as a bit more cynical um, a lot of the time, but I thought this is, 
yeah, good. Mm. <laughs> I was had a bit more respect, and I really liked the uh, Keith Richards track before they make me run, the one that he sang. Yes, I thought, was, uh, I thought so. I thought his vo- the vocal was nice. Uh, really good track, and nice to hear a different uh, vocal, I suppose, because you don't hear that so often, especially as single releases. You don't, yeah, get that on the production side. I thought it was a bit thin. Oh. Honestly, I just thought I was, maybe that's just in a modern context. I thought I missed a bit of bottom end on it. Just sounded a little. No, bit I think that's thin. a fair point actually. I don't I know even, exactly what you mean. I was listening to the guitars were quite toppy. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah, actually, which I don't yeah. mind. It's just I think maybe just having listened to other stuff recently quite a lot. Just yeah. in 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 comparison, it maybe felt like it was thinner. The bass but, wasn't um, overly prominent, was it? Actually, no, it was that's very, very good. That is a good There's point. No stand out yeah. yeah. the bass lines. Yeah. 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 yeah, it was more about the guitar and the and yeah. and, and that was that was drums. Just from the production, there's something I I noticed. Um, yeah, <clears throat> so not necessarily objectable, but yeah, really overall, I thought it was really good. And as I think both of you guys, and I think. 468, that's almost seems to be putting a lot more pressure on the other albums. Right, exactly. Okay, if this is there, there are another, we've listened to two now, Aftermath and this one. Aftermath we didn't like, it's quite high up the list. This one we really liked, it's quite low down the list. So now I'm sort of wondering how we're going to react to the albums that are higher than this one. Because you said like, this is the best Stones album. It's certainly the most popular one. I think we've disagreed with the the listings the whole way through, really, haven't we? Yeah. I think they almost try and be a bit um, clever with it in being like, the, the, it's, a, it's a fairly sort of like, not that they're like the niche albums, but I think this is the obvious album to like, isn't it? Yeah. Like this felt like their live show mm. and um, full of energy. And I think true Stones fans might listen to my overhyped uh, opinion on it and think, well, yeah, that's the classic, you know, everyone yeah. says that sort of thing. And actually it's a bit cooler to like, oh, do you not know the Aftermath album or the, you well, know? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a rock critic, uh, David Hepworth, I heard him not that long ago on a podcast he was doing, they were just like, he was just picking albums out of his shelf and going, you know, this one's a good one, this one's a good one. And he said, he brought, he said, this is Aftermath by Lone Stones, this you don't get better than this. This is the, one of the best albums ever. I was like, okay, <laughs> I can only disagree. Mm. But he's a very cheese. respected rock critic. That's what he was saying. It was chalk and cheese with this. That was like, so, that album, I remember being so disjointed and nothing like, mm. no, get, not getting into songs. This was just great. Like the energy just hit me most on this. Mm. Um, it's, it was like Mick Jagger at his finest. You just want to be, you know, because there is like, we say this about a lot of artists, but they've got like this real cult crazy fan base they were going mad like these people you maybe touched on it a bit because I think that, that Aftermath was a very bluesy yeah um, was it very yeah. sort of rooted in blues this it sounds like more like rock and roll rock and roll like I said li- live set rock and roll with still a, with still hints of blues and, and country in places you know there's yeah, a bit of energy like you said rock- you can see it you've, yeah. you've related it to the live yeah. performance a few yeah. times I think yeah you get that sense yeah. of the energy around it yeah, I couldn't see that it's with built for being on, or maybe it's built on the fact that they've been playing. Yeah, um, live sets for a long time by this point, and big sort of big stages, big arenas, sort of thing. Maybe yeah, that's been reflected in the way they're writing the music. Well, that's it? fairly mm. common, isn't it, that people start writing albums for the, for live? Mm. Yeah. So you see, yeah, so energetic tracks. They think, well, that this will go down. You know, in the studio, they're probably writing and composing. They're like, mm. this bit would be really cool live, mm. and I feel that with this. Yeah, mm. it's definitely got that. Sense if you just like to like imagine, tell your alien what rock and roll is, like you said, it is this. Yeah. I think rock and roll does combine the blues. Like yeah, the country it does. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rock nowadays is just like straight up like rock. You yeah. haven't got the, like, the roll part to it yeah. where it was the mm. bluesy sort of part. Yeah. So it is, yeah, it's a classic rock and roll album, really, isn't it? Definitely. And like, it'd be hard to find, I mean, we've said this about a lot of songs, we said this about all the reggae stuff, but that opening tune miss you in your head straight away isn't it oh that'd yeah, be hard for someone to say, I hate that song right. really it's, it's like great cla- hook great yeah hook. great hook classic sing along with that yeah 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 it was great. amazing and they're all doing it like the live. vocals are doing it the guitar is yeah. doing it the bass is doing it it's fantastic love it 
Uh, very good. Our old friend Robert Christgo, who we've come, who's come up oh, quite yeah. a few times in this, reviewing for Village Voice, said, this is the Stones' best album since Exile on Main Street. It's also their easiest since Let It Bleed or before. They haven't gone for a knock-down, up-tempo classic, a brown sugar or jumping with Jack Flash, just straight rock and roll unencumbered by horn sections or Billy Preston. <laughs> What's What's a burn on Billy Preston there, hasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Rock and roll unencumbered by horn sections or Billy Preston. Who's Billy Preston? Uh, He was the uh, keyboard player from that was on that Get Back documentary on Let It Be with the Beatles. That's Billy Preston. Lovely bloke. Yeah. (laughs) Having heard it and read about it, I am surprised. It's a big commercial success and uh, highly regarded at the time. Given all of that and the fact that I liked it, I'm like, I don't quite understand why it's so low down on the list. Mm. But maybe it's one that gets forgotten about. Maybe it's kind of maybe it's because you know, like you're saying, Rolling Stone list and, and dissing them. It's obviously they've asked a lot of people to vote in order to come up with this list. And maybe it's one of the Rolling Stones albums that you kind of go, "Oh yeah, some girls, yeah, right enough." Oh really? Maybe, it's, didn't, maybe didn't, it's like that. Maybe that's what happens. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that one. Didn't you say in your notes before it's seen as their it was their best album? Was that best selling best selling album? Yeah. Wow. I don't know if people will forget about them, would they? I don't know. I'm saying I'm just speculating. No, I just that is by far. Yeah, because it doesn't have the big hits on it. It doesn't have the jumping jack. It has got miss you on it, but you it's might, not. It's you not might, got you all might, the other stuff. For example, you might have our good friend um, Elliot. Shout out Elliot. Mm. Works at the studio. He might love Aftermath because it's like rooted in that bluesy, sort of yeah. bluesy thing, and actually think this is a bit commercial, yeah. a bit easy. We're more into rock and pop, and this is a bit right. more. This is a bit more of a rocky, poppy. Well, it, the, the, the disco bit, like we talked before, you know, yeah. is definitely this. Uh, this is our disco song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely exactly. got that vibe about it. Definitely. Maybe it's just more appealing to us as a group. It's kind of yeah, it's hit our sweet spot yeah. sort of thing. But after, like, for, for any, like, true old Rolling Stones fans who are into that blues, like, if you see them live, like, all, they, it's like this. They don't play. They, it's not just like a sort of, like, you know, bluesy sort of, you know, trot along um, live show like that first album was. It's, like, full of energy like this, all tunes mm. like this, the whole crowd singing. Yeah, it's just sums up the Stones, this album. I thought it was great. All right, shall we give it some scores, guys? Go on, Miles. I'm going to go for a two. <laughs> no, got, I knew you were going to say that. It's got to just, just the reason being for everything I've stated, just for being the soundtrack. I'm going to, there's a quote, you can put this in inverted commas. This is the soundtrack of rock and roll. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to get, I hate that's, that. That's going on the, that's, that's going on the subtitle. Yeah. So easily a five. Um, okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to rush to listen to it again because I'm not the biggest Stones fan, but if someone said to me, my alien friend, I really want to listen to rock and roll. Go check out this album. Yeah. So that's got to be a five. I'm not sure you've given anything a five in these, in these episodes. And I, wouldn't think, I did nine. not think it would be a Rolling Stones album. Yeah, there yeah. you go. There you go. Really? Um, I'm pretty much the same. I like, really, really enjoyed it. Again, might not rush back to listen to it straight away because I'm not the biggest fan of like, rock and roll, but mm. would definitely recommend people that are and it's a good listen. So four. Strong stuff. It's splitting the vote. I'm going to go for a three. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I don't thought, like it that I thought, much. I never literally ever, you just saw in the in the, the invisory table they just they were climbing and yeah, they yeah. climbed a bit. Were they going to hit the ding ding ding? Yeah. No, not quite. No, and I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being unfair. Maybe that is still my residual um, suspicion of the Rolling Stones. Uh, but yeah, I think it's great. I think twelve puts in worth top, a listen. Top five, definitely. It, I would definitely be saying, yeah, you should check out some girls. It's good. But regardless of what you think of the Rolling Stones, I think you should listen to this one. But yeah, but if you don't. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. All right, that's a, that's a twelve. It's not bad. 
That's got to be up there, doesn't it? It's, it's, good. It's, it's a high score relative to its position on the charts, put it that way. And mm. the four, 468. How many points did Dalton once get? <laughs> Not very About many. Three, five. <laughs> Not very many. Not as many as that. Anyway, there we go. All right, that was the Rolling Stones and some girls. Album number two on the podcast this week is the self-titled album from the Beatles, uh, which is more commonly known as, well, actually, I should say, the Beatles calling an album after themselves. That's poor form, isn't it, it is. Billy? Yeah, I was thinking uh, yeah, that. Especially, well, I think you can only get away with it if it's your first album, especially when you're like, how many albums are they in now? What is this? This is their, like, their ninth. Yeah. yeah. Ninth in, ca- in case you forgot who we were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Trying to be edgy. <laughs> the White Album's quite cool. Album name, isn't it? Well, it's called the White Album, obviously, because I mean, even the name, the Beatles on this album, uh, it was embossed. It wasn't even written on. It's not like oh, really? in in black, and it's not like white with black. The Beatles. If you look at the album, it's just white. Yeah, it's like all white. Um, so I think people just called it the White Album because that was easier. Didn't Zeppelin do that with all their albums? Like, Theirs weren't titled. Um, they didn't have their name on them anywhere. That's why they became known as Led Zeppelin One, Two, Three, and Four. Very cool. Um, were you okay listening to this album? You weren't too excited. <laughs> Heart racing. You know, Beatles. Oh, but it's every day anyway. What's ever going to think? He's going to be listening. He goes, I know. Yeah. Wow. I can tell you the track listing I now. I start it playing automatically when I wake up every day. Yeah. It's, like, it's like an alarm clock. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. The uh, the white cover was apparently was a bit, uh, was sort of a reaction to the Sgt. Pepper album, which they said was like so colourful and colourful. garish oh, yeah. and stuff. They said, let's, let's do the opposite of that. Oh. Um, anyway, this is the Beatles album, the Beatles, which is commonly known as the White Album. Number 29 on the Rolling Stone list, released on 22nd of November 1968. Rolling Stone magazine said about this album, they wrote the songs while on retreat with the Maharashi Mahesh Yogi. Who? Been practicing that in India. Uh, taking a break from the celebrity grind. As John Lennon later said, we sat in the mountains eating lousy vegetarian food and wrote all these songs. They came back with more great tunes than they could release. Lennon pursued his hard-edged vision in the cynical wit of Sexy Sadie and Happiness as a Warm Gun, as well as the childlike yearning of Julia and Dear Prudence. Paul McCartney's playful pop energy came through in Martha, My Dear, and his inversion of Chuck Berry's American values in Back in the USSR. George Harrison's spiritual yearning led him to Long, Long, Long and While My Guitar Gently Weeps, featuring a guest guitar solo from Eric Clapton. Even Ringo Starr contributes his first original song, The Country Tinged Don't Pass Me By. The Beatles tried a little bit of everything and all of their adventures paid off. The ninth studio album, an only double album by The Beatles, produced, of course, by George Martin. The Beatles is recognised for its fragmentary style and diverse range of genres, including folk, British blues, ska, music hall and the avant-garde. It has since been viewed by some critics as a postmodern work. I have no idea what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Arguments broke out amongst the Beatles over creative differences and over John Lennon's new partner, Yoko Ono, whose constant presence subverted the Beatles' policy of excluding wives and girlfriends from the studio. After a series of problems, including producer George Martin taking an unannounced holiday and engineer Jeff Emmerich quitting during a session, Ringo Starr also left the band for two weeks in August. Uh, Yeah. There you go. Uh, <laughs> How was it? That was it. I, got, I, th- I think I think I started another sentence that didn't finish the quitting <laughs> during a session. Ringo Starr left the band for two weeks in August. There you go. 1968 facts. The number one movie in November 1968 was Lady in Cement. Anyone? Classic. No. Absolutely Anyone? classic. <laughs> I don't know. Another coincidence uh, relative to our previous album. This the number one album was The Sound of Music. So it was another 
movie soundtrack album. Oh. Uh, number one. Never seen it. Uh, and the album chart. Nope. Never seen The Sound of Music? No. Nope. Okay. Don't plan to. Well, you know. <laughs> you know. Uh, Classic. And the Classic. number one single was also from a movie. The number one single was the theme from The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. What? Yeah. Ennio Morricone. On November the 5th, Republican candidate Richard Nixon was elected President of the United States, defeating Democrat candidate Hubert Humphrey. On November the 6th, the film Head, starring the Monkees, opened in New York. On the same day as release of this album, the first interracial kiss on TV was shown when Star, Star Trek's Trek. Captain Kirk kissed Lieutenant Uhura. And on November the 28th, I'll put this one specially for you, Miles. On November the 28th, John Lennon was fined £150 for an un- unauthorised drug possession. As you were convinced he was the drug head. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. I, I knew Lennon was like that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, thank um, you, thank you. So that was all November 1968. I was going to say we hadn't done a double album before, but we did. But the Donna Summer album was a double, wasn't it? Was it? Was yeah. It? yeah. It wasn't as long as this, though, was it? It might not have been, but it was definitely a double album. Oh, okay. Yeah. This felt long. This was long. Yeah. long. <laughs> Didn't need 30, to be double album. 30 no. songs on this, isn't there? Uh, okay, who wants to start? Go on, you tell on us about the Beatles, Martin. On the Beatles. No, I don't... I, I mean, what can I say? No, you tell me what you think and I'll respond. Go on, Bill. You, yeah, you... you well, no, on. I think... Obviously loved all the classics. I think Helter Skelter is my favourite Beatles song anyway. Great. Because um, it's like the heaviest one. I remember like, mm. Googling back, back in the day, what is the heaviest Beatles song? And hearing that. <laughs> so, loved it. Um, <laughs> well, Did you actually that, say um, that? Yeah. Because it was like, yeah. I have to like the Beatles because yeah. you kind of all have to like the Beatles. <laughs> yeah. So what's the heaviest one? Uh, so I love that. It was that. deliberately written as their heaviest song as well. I don't was know it? if you know that. Yeah, that was deliberately uh, 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 written. To and that's, be how I feel, that's how I feel about the whole album, but we'll come with that. Yeah, and I didn't realise Oh Bloody, I thought that was one of their um, earlier songs for some reason. I didn't realise it was on this album. One of the catchiest like, sing-along songs ever, in my opinion. Mm. Love that. Love all the classics. Reading like, some of the album tracks. Could be just a single album, didn't need to be a double. And was it... Spent nine minutes of my life listening to Revolution Number no. Nine, waiting for, <laughs> waiting for something to come in. I was like, "What have I just done?" And never came in. And you know what? Really, not obviously. When does the song start? Yeah, and um, <laughs> really, piece of more than anything, this album was the lyrics. It just thought some of them were just like. I don't know if you've been in a uh, band for like ten years, but you got come up with something new to write about. I can't keep writing about heartbreak and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like piggies, it's like oh, good yeah. song. It's just like the lyrics just annoyed me. <laughs> just, I don't know. I, I like. I don't mind stuff when you like create stories and that, and with music like Deftones do it, where they create like an imagery. But it's quite yeah. the way they do the lyrics is like you've got a picture for yourself. The, the words they use are quite like out there. And what's the other one about Buffalo Bill? It's <laughs> yeah. like a ner- like a sort of like a nursery rhyme sort of thing. Like the lyrics I found just like it annoyed me a little bit. And I think I much preferred the McCartney stuff over Lennon stuff. Like, good album. I think if they just put all the hits onto one side. And avoided. What is the point of like the the revolution ones? Is it revolution? What they're called? Yeah, revolution nine. Yeah, but revolution. the obvious hits that we've all talked about before, like back in USSR. And sorry, just on Blackbird. Did you know there was a metronome on it throughout the whole time? Or is it? Well, there's two different stories about that. Whether it's a metronome or whether it's they had a microphone next to McCartney's foot. No, no, I, no. Because I thought that, and I thought maybe it was. Uh, I didn't think that, but I thought Ringo was maybe playing some percussion. But it was exactly... Well, no, it depends mm. who you believe. So the, the one story says it's uh, Jeff Emmerich, who engineered it, said he had a microphone next to McCartney's foot. That's and just impossible. It was because I was like, I would have scrolled. I, I don't believe that. Well, I believe that's a metronome. Like, I listened to every... It was the same... I think it's a metronome. Yeah. There's a guy called Mark Lewison who's written a like, intensive, huge volume of 
stuff about like a book that's massive about yeah. everything to do with the early days of the Beatles uh, and sort of through their career. And he says it was a metronome. It just sounds so much but like the, the weird thing is that Jeff Emmerich was the engineer on the session mm. and he says it was... <laughs> I reckon he left it in, sent the bounce to be mastered. It was too expensive to them redo it. And was like, oh no, no, it's part of the track. Yeah. It's tapping along. We like the organic fill. That's a metronome. I don't, I don't really mind it. It's a I, metronome. I, I like the fact that it's there. It put me off a bit though. I've yeah. never, like the Beatles, I've done it a few times before when they pan the drums to the left. Yeah, yeah, the panning's uh, mad yeah. with the Beatles. Especially if you've got, if you have stereo <laughs> separation, like you're listening in a car or something like that. Yeah. So suddenly oh, so all weird. the, everything's over there. Because like, it wasn't in every song either, was it? Oh, speaker yeah. blows John, John's just off yeah. the, the drums yeah. have just gone on John Lennon's yeah. just off the record you're like yeah. what yeah. happened to him he's probably getting high out the back I, now the speaker I did get uh, some Chuck Berry vibes some Beach Boy vibes yeah um, just I've got to mention this just while you've brought it up I was out with um, some people on Thursday and we started talking about music guess who they were raving about Chuck Berry Chuck, Chuck Berry, Berry. <laughs> <laughs> raving they were like there was no Beatles out of Chuck Berry I was like I well, won't say what I mean. I that, that's absolutely yeah. 100% yeah, yeah. true. I know we actually, and we actually did speak about that, but it was very amusing. I thought and it's I, Martin and, and Billy Weir. And I kind of want to remind ourselves as well that we didn't diss Chuck Berry. We just no. said the album was terrible. Yeah. Not Chuck Berry being Sorry, terrible. Just a little caveat there. But yeah, <laughs> I, sort of I think that is what, But that is what's interesting that there is so much. I mean, even in here, it's certainly you're talking about Chuck Berry in here. And uh, I think we've mentioned before, there's the, one of the tracks on um, Abbey Road is a straight lift, lyrically and musically, off of um, a Chuck Berry song. There you go. Sorry, did I interrupt? No, no, I was done. <laughs> I'm. Uh, we'll save Martin because I reckon he'll he'll give us a bit of a yeah. lesson in uh, with Beatles. So I'll, I'll go next because I kind of kind of a Billy. But my overall feeling is that I'm a Beatles fan, but I'm not a mad fan. Mm. And my overall feeling on this album was that it sounds like you know this. We are studying the process of an album here, and this didn't feel like an album to me. It felt like four different singer songwriters mm. all putting a song on. I don't know why, but that was just my feeling. I think even Ringo had a song on this, but I know most of it's obviously Paul and, and John. But they've all they've all contributed with songs, and it felt like that to me. It was disjointed. It felt like, mm. you know, Donna Summer's the first that came into mind. But you know, you know what you're getting when you listen to Donna Summer's album. I think Rolling Stone. I feel the same. I feel like there was a couple of ballads in there and a couple of like straight up bluesy songs that we've spoken about. But overall, there's a through line. This I feel like it's disconnected. That's not to say I didn't enjoy it. I just felt like it didn't. I I got just a different vibe from every song. There's yeah. the ultimate. The, there's some gritty sort of ultimate sixties Beatles feel to a lot of it, but every song felt really different to me. Mm. Like uh, you know, and we've spoken about this, haven't we, Martin? Before on the pod, but it's like, is that what you want from an album, or do you want something of more of the same? And yeah, that was my overriding feeling. A bit cliche to say. We've said it before, but like I'm with Billy. I thought the hits. I don't know if that's because I know them, but I thought they were the best. Yeah. While well, my guitar gently weeps, Blackbird, I love, um, back in the USSR, mm. catchy. Um, but yeah, that was my overall feeling. I thought, so kind of on Billy's point as well, did all those songs need to be on them? It does it, it felt like a bit of a, uh, not vanity project. That was more like Sergeant Peppers, wasn't it? This just felt like a more like, how many songs we've got? Yeah, that can go on, that yeah. can go on, that can go on. It didn't really sort of, didn't really get a story from the album. I just got like some good songs yeah. and that Beatles vibe, but very different. Yeah. Mm. You obviously uh, preferred the Rolling Stones one to this one. Oh, good question. Because I really, you know, if you said to me I could go and watch the Beatles or the Stones, I'd probably, I've definitely picked to go and see the Beatles. Yeah. Like playing both these albums, yeah. I'd go and see the Beatles. Maybe because I've seen the Stones, but I can't underestimate. It's hard to review the Beatles. I grew up with my dad playing the Beatles in the background, whatever. So I'm so aware of their sound and I like so much of their music. But actually, so this was the first time I think I've actually listened to songs back to back and like trying to think subjectively. Is this the first time you've listened to a Beatles album? 
sat down and through through a track listing, yes. Mm. Yes. So definitely the first time you've listened to this Beatles album. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The White Album, yeah. I know that I know songs from it, but I've never just gone through it. And and mm. then I suppose why are you gonna say they're they're all a bit disjointed? Is that oh, no, 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 no. Because no. I think I was the same. I was absorbed with the Beatles. Yeah. Uh, through growing up, listening to them. But even then, what I was exposed to initially was the... Hits. Do you know what they call the Red Album? The, the Greatest Hits one with their like, four you know, faces. 63 to 66. It's all the, it's all the hits. Is that and when then, they're hanging off a bit at the top of yeah, a building? I mean, that was, yeah, yeah. the cover of that. So that's what was being played in the course. It's all the hit singles. I don't think I listened to a Beatles album until... I mean, it's quite a long time ago now, but not until I was probably about your age. Same. That's probably the first time I listened to an album. That's a really Beatles. good. That's a really good point, and that's exactly the same with me. Yeah, I've never actually listened to. And my, I was fairly embarrassed the other day because a mate is a big Beatles fan, and he asked me what my favorite Beatles songs were, and it was all like you know the ones you say the best of the Beatles. Yeah, <laughs> the ones you you hear. And he knew all the like you know oh that's from this album that album or this yeah. one all the stories behind it. Yeah, yeah. So this was the first time I've gone through it like that, and. To conclude, there were some things, elements that I was like, oh, that's classic Beatles, that's good. But yeah, I just felt, I felt like it could have been a compilation album from four different singer-songwriters who were in different rooms together mm. and then they've thrown them all together. It was a real sort of, you know, eclectic album, I felt. Yeah. yeah. That was, that's oh, my yeah. overall. No, I mean, your, your insight is it's absolutely spot on because that's right. exactly what it is. Right. Uh, more than any other album that the Beatles did... Possibly even as much as, uh, yeah, yeah, I think I'd go as far as let it, let it be. This is the album that is four of them doing their own thing rather than working as a band. In fact, a lot of the songs are actually them per not, not performing as a band. So there are lo lots of the songs on this don't have featured members of the band on it. Blackbird is Paul McCartney by himself, for yeah, example. Yeah. Uh, but there's various other versions of that as well where it, there's a McCartney's playing, John Lennon's not there, or John Lennon's playing, McCartney's not there, or George Harrison is playing and one of the others is not there. They, uh, they're not doing this album as a band throughout a lot of it. That's, I didn't, I and didn't, it is I, sort of, let's give each other some space to do some stuff. Particularly, I think, George Harrison, who hadn't really had as much prominence prior to this. So he gets more exposure on this it's the not the first time that Ringo Starr has sung a song on an album I yeah. think he basically sang one on pretty much every album but this is the first time he's got one that he wrote yeah. on it so everybody's got a thing and it was it was a bit like we want to do our own thing they've come back with lots of songs that they'd written separately and then rather than work together on them they worked they continued to work separately on them to a larger degree not not throughout the whole album but to a larger degree than they had on any other album on this one so you're, you're spot on, basically. I didn't know that, right. So yeah, that's, uh, that's and what it, it And it like. was also an element of going, we've got 30 songs, let's do them all. Yeah. Uh, in some form or other, whereas maybe in the past they might have said, let's not do that one or we'll save it for later. I mean, they were still doing that. They'd written a whole load of songs and wanted to record them all and then put them out as a well, there must um, be an, as, as an you, album. I think, yeah, but I think at that point, they, I think I've sort of recorded as well that at this point they were like, yeah, we can do whatever we want because everybody, right. whatever we do, people love it. the Beatles. And they were sort of, you could you could make an either case for this. They were trusting their instincts because mm -hmm. that's what they'd always trusted in the past to say like, if we do this, people like it, even though it feels weird because nobody had done anything like Sgt. Pepper before Sgt. Pepper. That's unique. That's experimental. That's bizarre to people in 1967. But people loved it. So the Beatles a year later are like, well, we can do that again, right? <laughs> this is bizarre and weird and avant-garde, but people will love it because we're the Beatles. Whose idea was that the like talkie tracks? Because there's a few, weren't there? Talkie tracks, like Revolution. There's another one where it was just not actual music. 
Yeah, you okay, have okay, how okay. the other three allowed that yeah, to happen. Yeah. I, can only, yeah. I can only think of Revolution Nine. That is that is a, one that, of the that is a, an audio experiment, basically. Mm. Um, it's a minute long. That was just like think. a load of. Oh, there's. There, I mean, there's weird things. There's honey pie, which That's is just. One, yeah. Oh, um, honey pie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it's not not honey pie. Wild honey pie. It's called, isn't it? Early on, which is just honey pie, <laughs> honey pie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fifty-two seconds long. That. Yeah, I don't know. Just clip, clips of stuff, and they did do a little bit of that. Again, I was thinking, listening to this. I know you're talking lyrically, and I agree with you. Yeah. They were, they were at points. They were getting much more political than they'd ever been at, at any point prior to this. I think so. Lyrically, they were trying to make political points, even though they have done in the past. They've done like "Tax Man" is on Revolver, or George yeah. Harrison track, which is about why do we have to pay so much tax? You can't say that's not political. Mm. But yeah. this is against the backdrop of uh, a cultural change as well. There've been riots in France, student riots in the UK, all that sort of peace and love era of 1967 seemed to have gone out the window. It was all sort of being destroyed and falling apart. Right, and it's against that backdrop that they're trying to write stuff, which is where Lenin's Revolution Number One comes from. You know, li- literally, you say you want a revolution. That's what he's writing about. And that was the first song written for this album. Um, um, Martin Luther King had been assassinated in April. That's They start coming back to this in May. They've gone to India to sort of experience this sort of spiritual awakening and ended up thinking this guy's an idiot. (laughs) So they kind of, all of that, they've got this sort of cynicism coming into this, I think, and trying to write more politically, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. But this is possibly some of that. And a lot of it is just like, yeah, it doesn't matter what we do because people like what we do so we'll just do it anyway you won't be alone you're definitely not alone that a lot of people will say this could be one great album rather than yeah. two and a double album that's a bit kind of why is that there if you yeah. stripped all the why is that there stuff out <laughs> and put it out as one album it would be incredible that's some people's take on it or another way of saying it's like like shift the order around so you've got one album of like great songs and one album of experimental stuff and then mm. if you want the experimental stuff that's fine yeah, yeah. but mixing it all up's a bit sort of what's mm. going on there so did you did you like it do you like it i do i can i mean again it's an album i've come to really late i don't think i honestly i don't think i listened to this album as an album until about five years ago yeah. So I'm not, you know, I know we've kind of joked about this. I'm a Beatles fan, but I'm yeah, not, you're a, not a super fan. I'm not to the extent that I don't think they can do no wrong. I'm just constantly impressed about how much I keep finding out more about and little things. Just going back to the Beatles stuff, you go, I'd never noticed that, or I didn't know yeah. that, or that's incredible. That's why I, I think I've said before: if I ever write, if I ever write a book, and I shouldn't give this away, it's IP now. And, you know, if I ever write a book, it'll be the Beatles ruined it for everyone because mm. like everything that you kind of thinks a new idea, you sort of go, oh yeah, the Beatles did it. There's mm. so much, so many Beatles songs. Like I, yeah. You, yeah, I didn't realize that. You hit the nail on the head. I did. I was just, well, yeah. I, mean, I saying, just had that greatest hits album. I thought that was the Beatles. And you think so you're saying about lyrically, you're sort of going, how can you keep writing stuff? And you think, yeah, you're right. You know what? This is. They recorded their first stuff in 1962. So this is only six years later mm. and they're on their ninth album. Mm. <laughs> and they've had masses of success. Yeah. It's like the, the speed of this as much as anything else mm-hmm. is incredible how fast they've gone from She Loves You to Piggies. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that can't be the same band. Yeah. It's yeah. in six years. A lot of, like artists these days would have two albums out in that period. Yeah. And if you moved that fast from there to there, you know, from that from that kind of style of music, people would not know what the hell was going on. So it's just how much they put out and how much they changed in a short period of time is astonishing. Plus the fact that, you know, at this point, they're still in their late 20s. You know, mad, they've not been around 
at all. They're, I think at this point, they're sort of 27, 28. The tensions are starting to come up, you know, all that stuff that we were talking about in the Get Back documentary, if anyone's seen that. And they're saying about yeah. tension and splitting up and all that bit. This is the start of that, because this is when Yoko Ono comes in. This is when heroin starts coming in. John Lennon starts taking heroin. Every single member of the band quits within the next year <laughs> until they finally quit. But Ringo left during these sessions. George Harrison left during the Get Back sessions. Um, John Lennon's disappeared at points. The engineer uh, <laughs> got went left because he was sick of everything. Um, so there was a lot. I, yeah, Ringo Starr went off on holiday, left because he was sick of everything. So it was all a bit tense around this period as well. There's stuff on this that you like. I, I agree with you. Stuff on this, you just go. I'll listen to it. I'm not going to like think, "Wow, what a great song." But again, you kind of go, "Nobody's done this before." This point, really, kind of just go like, "I'm going to give you some stuff that you're going to go, what the hell is that?'" And not necessarily think this is terrible, but go just go. I don't. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. That's got a skill in it, and I think listening to it again. And we spoke a bit about this with the Rolling Stone albums as well, uh, the the uh, Some Girls album. The sense of humour in it is great as well. Again, a lot of this, I was thinking of like Obla oh, Obla Dee, even though John Lennon says he hates, uh, said he hated that song. When you listen to the performances on that, that sounds like people having fun. Yeah. Let's have some fun. Let's have a laugh. Yeah, Let's yeah. have a laugh. And there's other songs like that as well. Um, I know you're saying about like Buffalo Bill, which is a crazy song, but there is that sort of, you know, when the, <laughs> is it Buffalo Bill that's got the, all together now? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh no, on the children say, that's what he's doing, isn't it? All <laughs> the children sing. <laughs> I just, I think some of their uh, background comes from things like the goons and stuff like that as well. So radio humor things, which I think it's where those little excerpts and silly voices and stuff mm. comes in there as well. So they're kind of pushing that around. Vaudeville, entertainment, everything's, in the melting pot, really. So I don't think, I, I mean, I, I can't disagree with anyone who says there are some really great tracks on this and there's some really bonkers stuff. I agree with you. Who's going to sit down and listen to Revolution Number no. 9 just mm. as a sort of a, oh, do you know what? I fancy yeah. sitting down with, with a cup of tea, put some music, I know what I'll put on, Revolution Number no. 9. <laughs> that would be mad. But having, say, only really heard this album not that long ago, there was tracks, Beatles tracks, that are going... I don't think I ever really knew this. Happiness is a Warm Gun is probably one of my favourite Beatles tracks now. And I probably never heard it mm. until about five years ago. Mm. I love the way that's put together. Oh, there's so many parts to that song. It's got like, sounds like four different songs yeah. jammed together. So I, 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 I continue to find the Beatles sort of intriguing and inspirational, even at their most sort of weird. And this is probably about as weird as they get. I agree. So what number was it again? 29. Don't know how I feel about that. I would say this is def, uh, if, as a definition of a Marmite album. I reckon this is a Marmite album. This is like, I, 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 like I we said, though, it doesn't have to be, does it? No. No, but mm. I don't know if it is Marmite for you and I, is it? I think I liked some of it, but I didn't like, otherwise, I suppose that could be Marmite as well. Yeah. But I didn't, it wasn't like I hated it or loved it all. It was just a bit of both, mm. and it just felt very disjointed. It didn't, you know, I'm quite proud of myself for coming up with that early. Uh, critique because I didn't know that that was the case where they all wrote them yeah, same, with separate, I think both it of them yeah. are absolutely bang on that's pretty much the consensus of opinion across the last 50 yeah. years of the White Album you've, you've, between the pair of you you've pretty much summed it up how many albums are in the top 500 do we know there's 500 sorry <laughs> <laughs> very good <laughs> quickly go and drum hey. um, how many Beatles how many Beatles I think they have nine I think from memory and this is the lowest Hi. 
Yeah, this is their, their yeah, there are three uh, Beatles albums ranked higher than this one. So this is their fourth greatest album according to Rockstone. Yeah, the fourth best Beatles album. The three higher, if you, you want to know, are Revolver, Abbey Road and Sgt. Pepper. Right. Not necessarily in that order. Okay, I think that's probably about fair then, yeah. Do you know what the most streamed song on Spotify is by the Beatles? Yes. Hey Jude. Nope. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. That surprised me, that. I think it's because it ends up on playlists, like summer playlists. That's, uh, that's the sort of theory as to why cool. that, because everybody, if every, anyone wants to put a summer barbecue playlist together, they put Here Comes the Sun on it. But All You Need Is Love would go on most people's wedding playlists as mm. well. Probably, though, yeah. It? I don't know what second, that's more interesting. Hey Jude? Yeah, Hey Jude. Oh, Hey Jude. Um, sorry, I'm looking down the list. Uh, come Together, then Let uh, It Be, then Yesterday, then be. Hey Jude. Oh, well, there you go. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, I mean, I say this is what's interesting about the Beatles, I think, is that they're interesting. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That sounds yeah. like a stupid thing to say, but that's what I find I, interesting is I, that they are interesting. Yeah, and also, I was fairly, I wasn't fair, talking negative when I said it sounded like four different artists, but you could also argue that we're getting bang for our buck there. So yeah. you're getting, because I feel like the, the style of, you can tell a Lennon song, yeah, yeah. a McCartney, and, and, you know, it's yeah. nice to get a bit of, you know, variation, I suppose. Yeah. On the, I, album. I, the yeah. worst thing you can be with music, I think, is boring. It was yeah. never boring. Yeah. I might not have liked it, but yeah. at least I was trying something. Definitely. And uh, after I, a few more listens, I might get it. But I think that's yeah. the worst critique anyone could ever say yeah. about a song yeah. you're involved with is, is, is it was boring. Yeah. I'd rather they say I hated that yeah. perfect. Yeah. 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 You know, I'd rather... Yeah, it's not for you, is it? Yeah, yeah not for you, so... Yeah. Next. <laughs> um, <laughs> In the Sunday Times, Derek Jewell said... This is the best thing in pop music since Sgt. Pepper and concluded, musically, there is beauty, horror, surprise, chaos and order. And that is the same as the world. That's what the Beatles are on about. Created by and creating for their age. That was Derek Jewell in the Sunday Times. And in the New York Times, Nick Cohen said the album was boring beyond belief and that over half its songs are profound mediocrities. Well, so I think I get split opinion. Yeah. So, how this are we is, going to score this, this one? This is going to be interesting. <laughs> how are we we're going, to let's start with Martin, he never starts. Yeah. Well, that's not true, but okay. Uh, we can make it true if you like. Uh, I will give this a four. I'm stuck between a three and a four. Because, yeah, like I said, the, the singles, the hits, are like absolutely up there with like the classic Beatles songs. But then there's another half that was absolutely, I don't know. Mm, remember you were reviewing the album, not the songs, Bill. I didn't enjoy it as much as the Stones one, so I'm going to give it a three. That's a fairly good mm. review, yeah. Yeah, three is worth a listen. So mm. I, think, you know. I think I'm going to go three because that gives me room to go four for yeah. Revolver, maybe five for Abbey Road. Yeah. Or, or you don't have to compare them to each other. I mean, each uh, album on its own merits, I think. Is... I don't think it's good enough to be a four in terms of... I would give a Beatles album... Look, if you gave me the Beatles' greatest hit, it gets, it gets a five. That was an interesting point you made because that's what I know. <laughs> now, I know now I'm starting to get to know a lot of the sort of forgotten songs, if you will, or album fillers, as we like to call them. Yeah. I'm starting to see perhaps little chinks in the armour of the mm. Beatles. Now, being like, is that actually a good song? Is that self-indulgent nonsense? So, yeah. in that, with that, with that in mind, um, I'm with Bill. If it was just one side of the hits, probably yeah. be a four, nearly a yeah. five. I, mean, I, I, I get, get it. I, I kind of, I could easily sort of say this is a three and a half or a low four, yeah. or whatever we've said before. I do think it's a great album because I don't think you get many albums like this. And maybe I'm swayed by my sort of general joy at listening to the Beatles anyway. Maybe 
Sid said he liked it, didn't he? Which is interesting, as because what we're saying, Martin, about getting into it a bit sort of later, and he's what, 18? 17. Yeah. At some point, so there is a question, it. I think we've discussed this as well before, about am I, am I saying this is great because I've been told it is, rather than really believing it? And so I'm, you know, I have to question myself on that as well. You know, if you just kind of say, oh yeah, the Beatles, the White Album, of course it's great. Oh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a classic I, but, thing to but, say. Yeah, 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 but I'd, I'd also been aware of all, for a while before I even heard it. And that's probably why it was so long before I heard it, because I'd heard, yeah, this, is their, this is their difficult album. Yeah. This is the one that's like, yeah, it's got some weird shit on there, guys. Um, so sort of knew about it. I mean, I, the, I think the, I knew about Revolution 9, not because I heard Revolution 9, but because I saw a Simpsons gag about it. You've seen the Simpsons episode where they'd get the uh, barbershop quartet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they're called the B-sharps. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a there's a part in that where Barney leaves the band and goes off and does his own stuff. And there's they do a, they do a spoof of Revolution number nine because he's going, number nine, number nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that's, it's, so it's sort yeah. of such cultural relevance i think if you put it on the barometer of sort of cheesiness to sort of like you know in terms of music as looking at like really cheesy to super sort of experimental i don't i think yeah you're right martin getting older i actually realize i always thought beatles were seen as quite cheesy mm. you know like screaming girls and like really hooky yeah. catchy like you know yeah tunes i wanna hold your hand but yeah the more I get to see, the more I think I've actually part, it's they're everywhere they're, they're, only, they span the whole that's only part one of the beatles yeah they span the whole barometer, <laughs> yeah. if you like, of yeah, yeah. like everything. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I'm, I'm learning that more and more as time goes on. And um, so I'm looking forward to, to hear the other ones, to be fair. Yeah, and we've got earlier Beatles um, albums to cover as well, because I mean, we've talked about the, the four highest ones. There's another four further down um, to get on there as yeah. well, which I think I've even said myself, why we need that many Beatles albums on a list of 500, I don't know. But uh, there we go. Anyway, it scores a 10, which is uh, all right. Double figures, we always say, is a good, yeah, good probably, thing. Probably about right. Okay, that was the Beatles, the White Album. We did it! <laughs> Shall we do our albums for next week? Let's I've got it. a suggestion for you, boys. Go on. <sighs> Live like on to take, Yeah, to take a, a trip away from our random selections. And, get and maybe... You might like this idea, you might hate this idea, but I'll posit it to you. It is almost exactly 50 years anniversary of two albums that are on this 500 list. And I thought we could celebrate the 50th anniversary of these two albums, because particularly because one of them is supposedly the Rolling Stones' greatest album. It's the one that's highest on the list. And it will be 50 years old this month. And it's Exile on Main Street. I'm up for that. And there's also... Honky Chateau by Elton John, which is also 50 years old this month. Cool. I thought we could do a bit of Rolling Stones and Elton John, just pick those just because they're going to be 50 years old only as if, we record this. Only if you make the podcast branding silver. Like, ding, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we 50, could do that, yeah. yeah. We could do. <laughs> no, with a little that. star, 50th edition. <laughs> yeah, I'm up for that. Cool. Rather than say that, what do you reckon? Exile on Main Street and Honky Chateau. Sounds good. 50th anniversary celebrations. For Perfect. those two albums, all right. Bill's gutted his moment to shine every week. Gone down. <laughs> I'm going to make a like an anonymous email and complaining. <laughs> I can still can't believe they've broken the contract. Yeah, no, that sounds good. All right, 
let's do that. That will be next time on the Apollo Audio Podcast. As always, we would be delighted to hear from you if you have uh, an opinion or would like to share an opinion or would like to say something either about what we've said, if you think that we're idiots, or if you want to share something that you think about the albums that we've discussed that we haven't covered already, or if you want to correct any factual inaccuracies, I'm sure there's some in there as well. <laughs> you're all welcome to do any of that do get in touch apolloaudiopod at gmail.com or on any of the social media areas where you find us post a comment drop us a line like and subscribe uh, leave us a rating all that kind of stuff we'd be very thrilled join us again next time when we'll be again discussing the Rolling Stones and Helton John who we haven't yet discussed that'll be good thank you Miles thank you Martin thank oh, you Billy thank you. see you next time bye, bye. bye.